Kia ora and welcome to Asian and Aotearoa in the first episode of 2022. I'm your host Gina Wee and in this episode I catch up with Alina Ashambayeva. Alina is originally from Kazakhstan and is the co-founder of the content platform Storio. She also works in service and design and is deeply invested in diversity and equity work along with storytelling. We chat about her coming to New Zealand as a team, Alina's inner critic and internal staff, along with systems, leadership, work and of course Storio. Plus she also asks me some questions. So enjoy. Welcome Alina. Hello. Tell me a bit about yourself. Well, high-level stuff. Yes, because we'll get into it, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Kazakhstan. I grew up there and moved here when I was 16 by myself. So I've been here for like 11 years. I'm super interested and like I was at the time, like social justice is the only way to do it was through like science and medicine. That's the only way I thought you could do social impact work. So yeah, so I have a background in uh, biomedical sciences and I did lots of like, I'm currently working for Auckland DHB as well. So health is kind of like a theme, but I'm also passionate about all other ways you can like diversity, equity, inclusion. So I feel like I talk about it a lot. I read about it a lot. I nerd out about it a lot. I'm working it. So yeah, it's kind of like the theme <laughs> of my life recently. And was that yeah. before or after you moved here? I grew up in a like a single mother household and my mom, so she's Russian and I grew up in Kazakhstan, which is we have lots of Russian, it's a, you know, ex-Soviet country. Lots of Russians, but it's still quite segregated in a way. Like it's still, it's still quite racist, I guess, like both ways. <laughs> Russians and Kazakhs both don't really like each other as much so and it's very patriarchal so my mom was like a single mom who was like super educated high sort of roles in companies so she experienced a lot of sexism lots of harassment lots of just like bullshit and i feel like growing up around her so like social justice and thing has always been a topic mm. so yeah so probably it's been always like a theme but only like i think maybe in the last five years i really figured out what it means to me as a person rather than like as a unit of a family you know yeah yeah, yeah. there is like so much we could talk about like kazakhstan your background i'm just thinking where to even where to go yeah yeah <laughs> I think it's interesting, like Kazakhstan, I, I, I do enjoy talking about it because I feel like it's such a different, well, not such a different, but like Central Asia is not something we really talk about. Not at um, all. Yeah. I mean, when people think Asia, it's like people don't think of Kazakh- Central Asia. Yeah, they, yeah, they think yeah, yeah. Well, like, yeah. or any of this kind of, like, even like, you know, I mean, Russia is as well, right? We, 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 yeah. It's Russia is East the, Asia, really, is what people think. Yeah, think yeah. And I think even, like, with this... Because um, there's massive influence on all those countries from Soviet Union, from Russia, like, over the years, of course. But people only think about Russia from, like, American spy movies. Totally. Like, right? <laughs> there's, so no, right. there's no other representation. So, like, I feel like people think, oh, you like vodka, you, like, speak in an angry language. <laughs> <You're a spy. laughs> yeah. So it's kind of uh, like... I like talking about it because I feel like it's such a different, like, people people just have no idea, like, yes. how, what culture is like. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't want to be like, please do the labor of, like, educating me, but... Um, it's fine. Please. Yeah. Educate me. <laughs> but please do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's an interesting mix of, oh, there's kind of so many, and I'm, I'm really at the moment myself, like, really sitting with that and uncovering the layers of, like, what it means to be from, like, for me, yeah. to be from Kazakhstan. But yeah, so I grew up in like, yeah, so my, my dad is Kazakh and my mom is Russian. Parents divorced when I was like nine, so quite early. And I haven't spoken to my dad as much in the recent, well, in general, but then in the recent years, not at all. It was like a really interesting dynamic of, it's still very Asian. Like it's still very, I mean, I didn't know at the time living in Kazakhstan. I don't think of like 
oh, we are just like a typical Asian country because I don't know what that meant. Mm. But like coming here now and like meeting, you know, people people talk about Asian culture as like not not the strict parents type stuff. That's probably not something that we share. But in terms of like trying to prove to everyone that you're doing really well, ah. <laughs> like that part is really right. big back home really big on like oh, we'll spend our last money and borrow money from the bank just to put on a wedding that looks luxurious so people who we invite that we don't even love got it like will like it and it every the undertone of that in everything like everything you do at school the way you dress the way you choose what you talk like just it's kind of all about you know showing which i think stems from like probably you know having like in soviet times like having not much like you know mm. no one had much so maybe like now you have to show. I don't know. And I feel like I, li- I lived in a very opposite household. Like, my mom was very different. Like, was really not that. So we lived in, like, a tiny one-bedroom house that my mom inherited from her parents when they passed away. And it was one bedroom. And, like, it was quite old. Like, we didn't really, like, you know, it wasn't fancy place. But... Like, that was fine. Like, we didn't care. Like, mom, if mom had any money saved, she would, like, okay, like, how can we do some experience, like, we would go to, like, Disneyland in France to, like, have some experience, like, all the money that she would save during the year could take us for a trip somewhere so we can, like, see the world and stuff. And lots of my friends would be like, but why don't you, why don't your mom just, like, buy a better car? You know, when we were, like, 12, people would say that, right? Like, so it's such an ingrained thing. Uh, So it's really interesting, I think, like, I think about that a lot of, like, what is important to you and how you derive importance from, like, based on your culture. Mm. And my mom has always been, like, even if she she didn't earn too much, but we would give, like, 10% of everything she earned to, like, an orphanage or something. Um, So I feel like it was such, like, a given. Yeah, I feel like my mom shaped most of me. Really. And in the recent years, we've had a lot of, like, complicated relationship development. <laughs> you know, when you're close, close with your family, it usually means that you fight a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I feel like even though she shaped me so much, we've like, our conflict has also shaped me and affected me quite a bit. So it's been, yeah, it's been, like, a interesting exploration <laughs> of all of that stuff. <laughs> hmm, mm. Describe your experience of immigrating to New Zealand as a teen. Yeah, I think we, we always wanted to immigrate when we were, like, as a family with mom when we were young. Uh, she always talked about it. Um, to New she, Zealand or in general? Just in general, yeah. We didn't, to be honest, I had zero clue what New Zealand is. Like, I knew so little about New Zealand. It's embarrassing. How why, how, how did I came here? How did I come here without it's only knowing? like me and my knowledge of Kazakhstan. Yeah. <laughs> so like... yeah. But imagine tomorrow you wake up, you're like, I'm going to immigrate to Kazakhstan. And people are like, why? You're like, I don't know. Like, that was me for New Zealand. I had zero clue about New Zealand. And I, we were born awesome to immigrate because mom, yeah, she was like, she, I guess, you know, the classic like migrant story, wanted to better for the kids, better education, better opportunities and all the stuff. And seeing mom's struggle as being like a, in the patriarchal society, being a woman who wants to do stuff with her life was a struggle for her. So she always wanted kind of better for us. So we've been talking about it for a while, but yeah, when I was 16, we went to, we went to like a international school that sent kids overseas, like, uh, you know, like an agent that helps you mm. move. And we were like, hey, I have one more year of high school. Uh, so we just want to prepare early. Like what, what are options are there? And we've always thought it was going to be UK or Canada. Classic to white countries that <laughs> people <laughs> think about. And I knew I wanted to study medicine, so it was like, you know, just a classic journey. And what happened the day before was so funny. The reason why I'm here, uh, I was at school and I was talking about like, hey, to my classmates, oh, by the way, I'm going to this agent tomorrow to have a thing. And I was, at the time I was in private school, 
uh, of my like last year of high school. So all fancy kids over there, all talking about immigrating and moving overseas. And one guy who was like, "Hey, um, I heard New Zealand is really good. Uh, my brother studies medicine there, and like." such a great country. Literally the first time I heard anything about New Zealand was from this guy. Oh. So the next day we're this agent and I'm like, hey, what about New Zealand? Like someone mentioned New Zealand and he was like, oh, yes, New Zealand. Oh my God. And he just like, it happened to be just a coincidence of events. He happened to be the agent who said like, who's like the fan, who's the only person from Kazakhstan who sends people to New Zealand. And just coincidentally, he was like, you know about New Zealand? You should definitely go to New Zealand. And the next intake is in one and a half months. And we were like, well, fuck it. Let's, you know, my dad paid for me to come here. So mom would kind of reach out to dad be like, hey, do you want to pay? (laughs) Um, And and he did. And so that was the later on I found out that my classmate, the only reason he said New Zealand is good is because you could buy weed here. (laughs) Easily. That was the only reason. Because he traveled heaps and he was like, oh, yeah, I um, I went to, I came, visit, visited my brother here. And you can just buy weed, like, on any street corner. And I was like, wait, the whole reason I'm in this country, I knew nothing about it. No, no, no rugby references, you know? It is. Yeah. And, yeah, apparently um, I'm here because weed is easy to buy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Great. so that was a funny story. But yeah, I was a big, um, I was really prepared. I think I was 16 by myself, which was like, people like, oh my God, you're by yourself. But, you know, I've talked about it with mom for so long that it didn't feel like weird or like, oh my God, I'm going to be. But it's, I didn't realize the distance, like it's so much further than I thought. And it was really expensive to, to travel back home, right? So that was a bit scary to like be so far away mm. and not have like a, if tomorrow I'm just really sad and upset, I can't just hop on the plane and go because it's like so far and so expensive and takes two days to get here. So you just wouldn't just go. So that was a bit hard, I think, like getting used to very, yeah. And like Kazakh culture is very open. Yeah, very open. People talk about it all, everything. Like it's very like also emotional culture. So you like don't hold back much. Like it's very, you know, like just, yeah, you walk on the street, people will like, you can start a conversation and like people will invite you to their house and it's just, you know, and I feel like New Zealand was very, at least, I mean, now I have different view of it, but, well, ish. But it's very, like, polite, but, like, kind of passive-aggressive, you know, like, very, like... Reserved. Reserved. And Don't I'll, say what we mean. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, I mean, she moved in from London. She had the same, like, <laughs> sort of thing. Like, she's like, my Kiwis... You just don't fucking say anything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I don't say anything. <laughs> Were you born here? I was born here. Born yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was your like, like, you know, the um culture? Like, was it just normal? Like, New Zealand culture is like default culture, or do you feel like your family um, growing up was different? Just a real mix. I grew up different to my white friends. Yeah. Although I really wanted to be like them. Yeah, like a mash of culture. So Japanese on my mum's side and Malaysian Chinese on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, mum's Japanese Pakia, so I w- so I've got like family who are white as well. Mm-hmm. So like just a big, big yeah, like, what a mix. Yeah, so just so many like different. all over the show. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I did find like, I think when I came here, even probably now, most of my friends were not like, Kiwi, like New Zealand European Kiwis, like. Most of, for the first definitely few years, it was either migrant, other migrants or people who like maybe grew up here, but were different ethnicities and oh, stuff. okay. Because I think I found easier to bond or like easier to connect. Yeah. Um, especially people who did different travel or immigrated or whatever, like more open to 
different cultures, people, whatever. Yeah. Um, I found it quite hard in my first year of university when I, because I was studying in international school. Everyone who we met were from other like countries, international countries. So I didn't really uh, even like meet Kiwis, like, you know, New Zealanders for the first year. And then went to university and I didn't know anyone because we all took like from high school, took all different paths and just really struggled to make friends. Like as in, you would suggest, uh, maybe it was a mix of like, first year blah blah but also like biomedicine was really competitive people were trying to get into mid in that year so i would sit down next to someone be like hey how are you and people would just be like mm, what no i'm not talking to anyone really wouldn't, wouldn't respond yeah it was really like yeah and i remember thinking like oh my god geez like it just feels you know i'm, I'm so extroverted i would sit down and be like hey what's up and yeah people would just like didn't want to talk like in their in their like high school bubbles groups yeah clicky clicky yeah. clicky is the word yeah and so i really could only bond with people who like from other who also immigrants who are like my, my best friend who are mid in first year michael he was from south africa and he was also kind of recent immigrant and we were just like hey hey you also are and we just you know like kind of was easy to chat easier to be like oh you're also from another country um so yeah so i think it was a little bit of a struggle first few years but then you know like finding you know once you like have friends then anything is home when you have people that you enjoy being around yeah, yeah. but even as adults i'm like how do you make friends? i mean personally i just create a podcast and i make friends that way but i mean for other people how do they yeah mm. it's a very um yeah i mean you're right like i've met a lot of people through storyo for sure i have like even though i'm extroverted and chatty i have like now that I'm a bit older, like, low tolerance for... If, like, the bond doesn't seem too obvious in the beginning. It's not like, you know, you like, spark, you, like, meet someone and, oh, you're best friends. But it's like, you know, if if it's, like, a little bit harder to talk to someone, I'm just like, nah, I'm not going to waste my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not wasting yeah. my time. Um, and I'm sure the person feels the same, right? Because yeah. it's not one-way thing. So, yeah, so I think... That thing definitely, like, makes it harder because you're just less tolerant <laughs> to, like, meet new people. Um, but, yeah, definitely through, like, yeah. I mean, doing doing Storia stuff is, like, yeah. opened well, let's, up. Let's talk about Storia. Give us a brief rundown. What is yeah. it? Yeah. The of it. So, Storia is a platform that my partner and I started two years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, to interview women and gender diverse people in New Zealand and to tell everyday stories, change the narrative of what, like, success looks like. I think we started it as, like, a little selfish experiment for us to be like, man, I always feel, like, when I look outside of people, I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter what they do or what they've achieved or whatever. If I, like, have love for them or they're, like, a good person, I'm like, oh, they're so wonderful, they're doing amazing and they're just perfect. Whereas for myself, I'm like, oh... Only if I've achieved those things or I have to do more to be to be valuable and worthy. So at the time, I remember being like, hmm, I never judge anyone else by that same metric. So I wonder what other people that I think are wonderful think of themselves. Like, do they think they're like, um, yes, I am valuable <laughs> and worthy it. and I'm great. Mm. So, yeah, that was kind of like, I want to interview all these people who we don't hear the voices of, who are not like fancy founders or like diplom I don't know like people who we think of successful are like someone who started something big company or grew something big or saved 100 kids or whatever so it was like kind of yeah to like hear the stories and hear how people feel about themselves which always been a great journey for me like asking you like you know what do you think of achievement of success of yourself and almost unanimously like most people say that they feel very similar things of like mm. oh I don't well, I don't think I'm, I've done that much. Or initially, actually, we just interviewed our friends. And a lot of people were like, oh, I don't think you should have me. I don't think I'm good for the podcast. Or sorry, we don't have a podcast uh, for the video interviews. I, don't, I haven't done much or haven't achieved much. And it was so funny to me. I'm like, you're amazing. What are you talking about? Like you're like a social worker or a teacher or sex worker. But, oh, but I haven't, you know, I don't have a story or I don't. And I think it's like 
changing that narrative of like, you're fucking awesome. No, no matter what you do. But that lesson is what I'm trying to learn for myself. <laughs> so you're, what you're saying, I could like that could I could be saying the same. I totally yeah. That is what I've found as well. When you see an artist like someone singing and you go to a gig or you don't think of like, oh, I'll come back when you're a bit better. Like, mm, you you just need to get, mm, I don't know, this art needs to improve. That you just love them, you love them for what they do. It's for what they do, not for like, mm, I think you'll be better if you do this and this and this, this. I think of that outwardly, but when it comes to myself, it's like a lesson, like a lifelong lesson of just feeling like, it's okay, Alina, like, you're good enough. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I have actually this little thing, I posted now next to my bed. You're not good enough, you're plenty. Because I'm like, I even like good enough seems like, a, oh, are you just okay? I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm awesome as, mm-hmm. as I am. And it's a, in the last few weeks, it's been a specific lesson that's been like knocking on my door <laughs> to be learned. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I feel like I've been in a bit of like a comparison. Oh. Um, shame. Yes, yes. Shame, oh, storm. The, the spiral. The spiral. The, yeah. Oh, the yeah. self-doubt. Yeah. And a critic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at, look at like. Look at those people, what they've done. Oh, oh they've done better. Oh, look what okay. they... You could be <laughs> yeah. doing the same. Well, you're in the same... Oh, why, why didn't you do it this much? Why didn't you... Uh, and yeah, that's a classic. Classic. I yeah. feel that. How do you get out of it? <sighs> <laughs> Why asking 100 more people how they get out of it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I. It's really been helpful doing the story for me to like hear that other people think the same. Mm. But I think I'm noticing that I'm getting a bit more immune to hearing like as in like more and more inner work needs to happen like I just don't just like before I would be you know someone else says it and I'm like oh okay cool but now sometimes if someone else says it I'm like oh, well you're definitely wrong because you're good enough but I'm not because I need to do better yeah. so you know the classic like different judgment yes you hold yourself to hold yourself yeah yeah all of the stuff that keeps me stuck yeah goes back to that I feel like you know the whole fucking two and a half years of doing story I was like literally I talk about it if I ever give any talks it's all about like measurement of success and how we think of ourselves and how we like how it's fucked how we think about it and how we measure you know instagram likes and like even Ugh. though we think logically we're like oh i don't care but <laughs> yeah. we do like it's just such <laughs> yeah, a you know yeah. this yeah. system is built on like how much money do you have in your account even if i'm like even if i'm like i'm not capitalist person you still measure right or if someone tells you that they now they earn blah blah, blah for doing this work you know you compare so i feel like logically as you said rationally i i know that it's bullshit yeah but and i think because of that i feel like i spiral into like more shame easily because i see like oh how could i feel this way like i know rationally is not a thing i know i'm doing all this work to like showcase that it's everyone feels the same so it means it's not a thing yeah and yet i still feel like that and then i feel like bad about talking about it so my partner is freaking amazing like at, at holding space for me because he's so one like because it's such an acute feeling for me. I like love my friends to bits, but I, I do sometimes struggle to talk to any of them because I feel like the response I get isn't what I'm looking for, which is not their fault. It's my fault because I have a very specific thing, even though even if, you know, even if they ask me like, oh, what is it? Like, oh, just nothing. I just, just, you know, whatever, whatever you, you know, whatever you want to say, whatever we have a conversation. But I feel like I have a very specific answer that I need from someone when I say that. And my partner is awesome. He's such a like a cheerleader and such a like a, you know, just like go straight to it. Like, Lena, this is bullshit. Look at this. You've done this and this. You're amazing. You inspire me. And it just and it sounds like so shallow, but I'm just like, yes, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. And it is not like you know. Um, I mean, definitely talking to my partner helps, but like it's not. Yeah, it's not like he will say that, and I'm like, cool, I'm, I'm good. 
Mm. It's not still like being like, oh, why, why am I? And it's for me, it's like, why am I wasting my time thinking that? I mm. get really like, and it's the same actually goes towards, um, I get really like recent thing around like body image, for example, has been coming up for me. And I'm like, oh God. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that, that thing for me is such a, I get, I watched recently quite a few, I just like, okay, I'm going to go on YouTube because YouTube has like great things to talk to say. And I watched some great videos of like, you know, people, uh, there's one video I really liked was people wrote things that they tell themselves about their bodies and then they met strangers and like read those things out loud to each other. And it's like, you know, so for example, we're sitting here and I would, you know, wake up and say, oh, Alina, your hair looks stupid and it, your face now got bigger and your hair doesn't look good anymore. So I would write that down and then I would sit down in front of you and I will say it as if I'm talking to you. Like, hey, Jenna, your hair looks stupid. Oh. And, but you know, you know, it's because, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not a thing. And watching that video, because I was like, all these strange people that I've never met, obviously, saying those things about themselves. And it just made me cry because they cried as well because they were like, you know, this... There's like two women, for example, sitting and talking about mm. how like they're not feminine enough. And the person's like crying because she's like, that's exactly what I say to myself. But like looking at you, I would never, ever think that of you. But I say that to myself all the time. And I was just watching it and I was and I just felt so sad. I'm like, I am wasting my fucking life thinking this crap. And all of us look at us like this amazing people that I've never met wasting their time as well thinking that about themselves and it just makes me like angry <laughs> like, I'm like how did we create those structures or beliefs or whatever of success of body of whatever that like that are all just bullshit yet we spend so much time you know sitting in them oh feeling. I know <laughs> yeah. so yeah the story was like to run back to story it was really about that like I want to ask people those questions and I was I was about representation and you know like diversity blah 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 but also like just I just wanted to ask people about those questions that are not you know like hey you're a person how did you how do you feel about this or mm. what success means to you or what is what are all those things and I feel like having those discussions a bit more openly kind of helps like hearing from others that they feel the same way you're like okay yeah it's not just me okay yeah what surprised you has anything surprised you while doing yeah. story you mean yeah mm. what have you noticed. Mm. One thing that I definitely, I don't know if it's a surprise, but, oh, maybe a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, and I, I think I, I, I did talk a, little, a, a bit about that, is that when I was going into this work, I was thinking, I'm so woke. I'm, you know, like, oh, I'm, I can speak about the, you know, because we talk, we talk, we talk, we talk about diversity and representation, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a woman, I'm blah, blah, blah. I come from this, you know, I'm not, like, I'm at all those intersections of um, like identity. I know I I know what it means to be like marginalized, or I know what it means to be this, or I know how it feels to have body or gender, what you know, imbalances or whatever. And I think I was like smacked in the face with how little like just because you have this experience, this little thing, doesn't mean shit comparatively to like all other identities experiences you have had. So. It sounds kind of silly saying it now that I thought I was so woke when I was getting into it, but I'm like now I'm like oh my god, I'm it humbled me heaps. Mm. Uh, I I hope I wasn't like cocky, but I like I guess that belief potentially was more probably cocky, but yeah, humbled me heaps of like wow, you have so much to learn, and that was wonderful to kind of go into this work. Now I've been trying to work with like organizations and like companies to do some storytelling through Storyo and talk about diversity and why it's important. 
and kind of to showcase like, hey, it was hard for me. Like, even if, you know, with classic like white male stereotype of like white male should learn how to be better. Kind of telling them like, it was hard for me too. Like, it's hard for me too. Like, it's, we're all in this together. Like, learning how to engage, deconstruct, to think about colonialism mm-hmm. and capitalism and all that shit. Like, just because, some, you know, like, it's hard for all of us. Like, we're all in this together. Like, it's, it's, and all of us have lessons to learn. And no one, like, I think now it's really funny to me to encounter people who are like, oh, no, yeah, yeah, we're passionate about diversity. But our company is so good at this. We're so good. Our CEO, is, we're so, we're so, you know, understandable and inclusive. And I'm like, oh, you're probably not. You're probably not. No one, like. I, I, yeah, I'm very doubtful. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I think. I that find was... that so, I just find that so funny when people say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's like, a, you know, they want to prove to others. Yeah, I mean, it well. comes from a good place, but I mean, in reality, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and this, you know, like, and everyone knows from like, whenever, whoever I shared it with, people like, oh, yeah, of course they do things, they do do well. Maybe, I don't know if it was a surprise is a good word, but like, it definitely humbled me of like, how much I was potentially closed off to, like, in terms of experiences, just because I'm on this path, like, how little I knew about other cultural experiences of migration, how little I knew about other gender experiences of gender expression or being a woman with disabilities, for example, and what yeah. did that mean? I found this work really wonderful and like just such a like her like being in the space of like learning and celebration and stuff, but also being in the space of like challenging norms and trying to change the systems. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a weird balance of like Hot! Oh my god! What the fuck am I doing? To like celebration, community, yes. love. Yeah. Oh my god! It's yeah. both and. It's both and. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can I ask you back? What did you? Yeah, look, what you, was you? What were, what yeah, were well, you? What was the piece you can't remember? Yeah. What were you surprised? Like what you know? Because you've done quite a few of those now. Like other episodes. Yeah. Um. What surprised me? Or something uh, you learned you didn't think you would learn? Maybe. I think what has surprised me. On reflection is that I actually did it and that I could do it without knowing, still not knowing anything. Surprises me when people actually still like will say yes to come on. It surprises me every time. <laughs> when someone's like, yeah, I'll come on. I'm like, oh shit, okay. Why is that? Again, I guess it's like the the worst thing. I'm like, oh, I'm just doing this thing. Mm-hmm. You know when people start saying, oh, you're doing like the money's so important. I'm always sort of a little bit taken aback because it feels like the perception is like it's this big thing. But because I'm, like, so in it, I'm not seeing, like, the macro stuff. I'm kind of more focused on having this one-on-one conversation and then I'm editing without actually kind of properly stepping out and thinking, oh, man, if I was a fucking teenager or, like, in my 20s, it would be cool to listen to this podcast with these, like, other people. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great, actually, point. I haven't verbalized it that way, but I like, like, when people say, oh, it's cool or it's important or, like, or say yes to come. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm just like, I I thought, I always thought, like, in order to build something important, you have to have a plan, like, a plan. Or yeah, like, you have, like, a huge fucking budget. Or, like, a thing, yeah. yeah. And, like, and yet it's just, like, oh, it's just, you know, like, when my friends would be like, oh, are you sure you want to interview me? I'm like, it's me in the lounge with, like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I'm just learning how to edit videos <laughs> while watching YouTube to be like, yes. how oh. do I make a B-roll cut? I don't even know what B-roll I is. Yeah. I, how do I, how do how I make... Sometimes how do I remove I the sound? Yeah. Sometimes I don't know what to Google. I'm like, how do I make between videos when the sound goes... I don't even know what, what's it called, right? And, like, I think it's both wonderful to, like, see, like, oh, okay, you can actually build something wonderful and like, surprising, do the thing without really knowing but at the same time I think now that I've been doing for for like a little bit right like two and a half years 
also feeling that actually like be feeling more confident like actually i don't need to know but when people question i'll be like oh so oh no question like what's your plan or what's your thing i think i almost like getting taken aback by like do i need to have one or like do they expect me to have one am i doing something <laughs> let me go through my <laughs> yeah st- i don't know what am i doing so yeah people who haven't done something like this of their own maybe started at something which probably would, be, would have been me two and a half years ago have this expectations of others that oh if you're doing something you must have a plan or oh you're not making money of it oh shame it <laughs> must be, must not be serious if you're not making money of it yeah and i'm like oh but i think it's quite good yeah. <laughs> i'm enjoying this oh but well you, you you should you should have a plan to how you know how to like get sponsorships i'm like um, i'm trying i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> so yes it's like it's like a yeah i don't know how you find that but i uh, sometimes some days i feel like i'm enjoying this fuck it i don't have a plan who cares i'll google whatever and some days a small comment from someone like they'd be like oh you don't have a oh you're not making money of it as as if like in like in a bit of a derogatory kind of tone can really like upset me or Uh or, like send me to like a not not upset me but like question myself Uh be like oh is this no i don't i mean i get people i get people saying all the time you need to get funding or Mm. like monetize i'm like i i I would really love to but i'm not sure what the resistance is maybe it's because it's like i feel as soon as that would happen i feel like that's more because when it's just me and i'm relying on myself Mm -hmm. and i'm doing everything there's so much more flexibility Mm -hmm. i'm not tied to anything but we'll yeah. We'll see. We'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah. I mean, I had that because I, I did, um for a few series we've done, we've had some sponsorship, but I reached out to, like, just posted on LinkedIn and said, hey, companies. Oh, Anyone LinkedIn. Can? Yeah, LinkedIn has been a, my, like, it does better than my Are Instagram really? and Facebook I and stuff. I hate LinkedIn. I think it's because I'm like, <laughs> I've changed five jobs in six years. Right. And also, I have quite a few. I've worked with quite a few like tech companies and part of good for you. Can I so just I stop feel you? Like, you know, some people are like, oh my god, I can't change jobs. I'm like, fucking change jobs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, I feel sure. like I feel like because of that, I probably have quite a few people that I know or like more like work relationships in that in that regard. And some series that I've done, like people who work in tech, it's a bit more corporate. Corporate kind of loves that stuff, you know. Versus like, if it's a bit more, you know, I want to do like a series on like women's rights or youth. Like that's not really stuff companies want to put their names on because it's not sexy yeah, yeah. so the tech part was a bit more sexy so got that but also i've like found so melodics actually a company where i used to work um a startup where i used to work that's when i started story i was working there they reached out be like hey we would love to give um some money um to you for a few months really? and i was like well, that's when i was doing my like trying to look for sponsorship stuff i was posting about it a bit more and when they reached out i'm like hey what do you you know like and i was kind of ready to like pitch and they were like no we just love what you do just like want to support like don't need you know whatever and I think I really loved it so much. It was like just such a, like a wonderful connection of like you know, you know what I'm doing, mm. you know my values. Here's what I'm gonna give back, and they were not even like oh, just you know we don't. You can put our names to things like things, but like that's not what we're trying to do it. And I think talking to other companies have been, which I, I understand how I understand when companies sponsoring something, they want something back. Yeah, usually. they need that ROI. Yeah, but I, but I but I hate I hate it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I know, but I hate it. So, I, I've be, it's been a hard thing to be like, look at this. Here's what we're doing. Here's the thing. Oh, but but how, like, are you? Are we going to, you know, we're going to give you a few hundred dollars a month. What are we going to get back? I'm like, not much. For a few hundred dollars, not much. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, like, and also, like, it's not really, it's like more, yeah, I just, yeah. I think I have lots of, like, mm. feelings that I was processing over lockdown when I was doing this and when Melodics reached out and did a, like, a, uh, a few months sponsorship stint. That was just, yeah, wonderful. Like it, it kind of paid for 
events that we've few events we've held some subscriptions to things like it was it covered lots of stuff so it was really wonderful and i think since then i'm like yeah i would love to go back again and just see but i just would love that everyone were like melodics <laughs> we're just like hey we love what you do we believe in this and we want to we want to like we have corporate money yeah we want to give you the money rather than like hey can you make sure that we hire more women if we do this i'm like mm. well it might help it will help you yes but it's yeah it's just a it's a hard for me thing it's a hard the exchange for me to the exchange mm. thing yeah so when it, when you figure it um, out you can you can when you figure out how to, how to do it yeah i'll let you know, let me know. <laughs> yeah i'd love to do i'd love to do an event too that would be really cool mm. uh yeah so what was the, uh what surprised me what also surprised me just like what you said everyone has such individual own experiences walking around with their own stuff mm-hmm. but there are usually some threads that go through the wanting to belong wanting to find their thing. I found actually quite a few people I've spoken to COVID and going into lockdown has been a real catalyst for them to start doing something new. Mm. When you were starting, did you have like a particular goal? Like, oh, I want this podcast to do X or like a particular like impact. I don't know, Honestly, outcome or whatever. And how no. did it change? Um, I, I, I don't know whether I've actually spoken. Have I spoken about this before? Did I speak? Like, probably. I, and honestly, I think I repeat myself in episodes because I can't fucking remember what I've said. Um, but actually, where it came from. So in 2019, when I left my corporate role, very cushy, shit tons of money, I was like really burnt out. I know I've spoken about this before. I was living life that I didn't want to live, basically. I did this leadership course at Playcolo, which is now where I work. And in the course, there is a thing that there is an exercise that we do, and it's called a leadership quest. Mine was something like... I want to champion the next generation of Asian women leaders, which of course has changed over time. But I knew that I was championing these people who I couldn't see anywhere. Like, where were they? So for, in a corporate world, like, where where are these leaders? They're all fucking white. Well, they're white men or they're white women, generally. So I was like, oh, I want to do this thing. And then why don't I just, like, talk to some people? <laughs> I was also feeling quite disconnected from the Asian community. And I kind of, I wanted them to be creatives. I wanted there to be some sort of creating. So the idea was, like, to have these conversations. Yeah, yeah. About, like, yes, Asian, but not to be, like, all talking about Asianness. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, just people. Yeah, it's kind of similar, I guess, for story. I was like, yeah, it's woman, gender, diverse people, but we don't, we, you know, I'm not asking questions like, so tell me about being a woman. <laughs> yeah. Mm, tell me how yeah. you're experiencing. And, and if it comes up, which it often does, yes, um, people do talk what they want, but it's not about, yeah, it's not about let's all cry in the corner because we're a woman and we're having this thing. It's like, no, you're fucking awesome. Tell me about the stuff you do or stuff you challenge it by. Do you feel like you've reconnected more? Since you've been doing it, like with community, yeah. with your... I basically have helped, uh, um, like met so many awesome people and been exposed to really great staff, have had some awesome conversations. It's The episodes is a small part that has changed for me. Mm. And do you have any, like now, that has been, what, how long has it been? A year and a bit? A year. Any particular things that, like, like now you feel like you want to change... Like, or, sorry, the direction has changed to something else? Or, like, how um, has it progressed? So, at, at the very start, I was like, I want to speak with women. Mm-hmm. Or, basically, not men. <laughs> um, but but that that really lasted not long at all. It's so not to be a gender thing, and I'm really glad. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's the great thing of not being sponsored or having, like, to report to anyone. Mm-hmm. I can just change my mind. The other thing at the moment that I am considering is whether I remove the age mm-hmm. thing. At the moment, it's, like, 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, thinking, well, maybe I should speak to, like, older people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm ve- I'm definitely less, like, when I started, I was, like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm, like, going to churn out, like, one episode a week. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I did that. 
Now it's just, it, uh, it's, I'm kind of still finding my rhythm with it. Cool. I love, I love, you know, even when you say you can change your mind anytime you want to do what, whatever feels right. Do you, do you still feel like it's something you're doing because you just enjoy it? Like, is it something just like, it's for myself? Or do you have like now like a bigger, okay, it's for myself and this bigger purpose? Um, like who am I doing it for? Mm. Or like what, what um, are you doing it for? I don't think that has changed. Mm-hmm. But definitely it's sort of like, and I don't want to stop it, but definitely now that I've started, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to just quit it. Like I think the, I think the, the more you go on, mm-hmm. the harder it will be to stop. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, maybe it'll morph into something. I don't yeah. know. And some people ask me, oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to do like season two? I'm like, are you going to change it? I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, you're right. As Like it's been, yeah, two and a half years for a story. Like it feels like I wouldn't. I can't imagine just like not doing it anymore. Um, yeah. I'm just saying at the time. It's yes. 12:23. Do you have to rush off somewhere? I don't have to rush in. Okay, but cool. yeah. What do you? What time do you want to? F- no, fine. Yeah, we'll just cool, we'll just keep. Cool. I, I we keep like <laughs> like I've hardly asked anything. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's no, 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 it's just it's my, we keep, No, it's like the natural conversation is just going. Yeah. But what do I want to ask you? Okay, I read a quote of yours where you said, "I want to talk to people who love their jobs and solving social issues mm-hmm. in New Zealand." Have you met many of people who meet that criteria? Yeah, recently I have. I actually loved your yeah, loved that question, your comment about the job stuff. I think in last last year has changed me heaps. I started working as a coach and it has changed my view a lot. I used to be a big believer of like, you have to spend every hour of your day doing something that is productive and helping society. And if you're not doing it, and if you're not loving it while doing it, then you're just like, shit. And I would judge that by that criteria, everyone, including myself. Myself harsher than everyone else, of course. But I'd be like, you have to love your job. If you don't love your job, why are you doing this? I still I still have the belief of like, more, but it's more for like the person themselves. And now I'm like, Hey, if you don't love it, I would just feel sad that you that you have to go to work. There's obviously many, many reasons for people have to stay in the job mm. uh, and they can't leave or whatever other reasons. But usually people that I talk to from my circle who are 20s, who have some family to fall back on, whatever. And I'm like, there's no excuse for you not to love your job because it's just really hard. So I think, yeah, that was a big thing for me. I would be like a big critic on that. And I've really... Actually, the story has changed my mind on that a lot of like, it's not about what you do, it's just who you are. Like if you... Just because you exist, you're valuable and you don't have to do any... The whole productivity work stuff has been ingrained in our brains that we have to work for our lifetimes and enjoy what we do and, you know, be passionate and all of that stuff. In Kazakhstan, for example, growing up, most people's job is just like, a, I want to work hard, make money and then party on weekends and I hate my job and why would you even want to work? And then coming here, like maybe first few years, like people will be like, oh, I don't know what I want to do, but I'm just like a job. I'm just going to work hard, party on the weekends. I don't know. I just, yeah, I think I, I just didn't resonate with that. I felt like I don't want to live a life when I go to work for just to get money and then mm. fuck you all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't care about you. So I think that was a big part probably of like doing what I wanted to do was like, I want to talk to people who enjoy what they do. I guess I used to be more critical of that. Like you have to love what you do and work all the time. I'm, I've, cha- I've kind of really unlearned that mm. patterns of like, we just get... I think society tells us that we have to be productive and work all the time. And and also now millennials, be passionate about what you do. Oh my God, now I have yeah. to be passionate. Yeah, oh, you're going to have a purpose. I'm like, I oh purpose. God, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the same time, I just, I just couldn't imagine, I think for myself, yeah, like there were moments when I was working, when I was kind of already like feeling like I wasn't enjoying it a little bit or I was like actually losing a bit of a purpose or actually realized that we were misaligned on the values that I thought 
the team held, the company felt were actually misaligned with mine. And how much it was hard, like it was so hard for me. So I think, yeah, I'm like, man, most people, that's how they feel at work. It's not their, not like it's their fault, but kind of want to, yeah, I question that a lot. I'm like, mm. man, how did we end up in a society that, I mean, we have to work to pay our bills, but oh, just eight hours a day or more feeling like I would rather not be here. <laughs> oh, this is the neoliberal dystopian yeah. hellscape that we live in. <laughs> Come here, yeah. <laughs> mm. You know, I for the first time I finished uni when I was twenty one, so I've been working for six years, which is not that long, I guess, on the big scale of things. But in June this year, I quit my job that I did. I was enjoying, but it was many reasons that I like. I just got to a point that I was like, I think I need to leave, and it was a really hard decision. And I was like writing about it in my diary and stuff for a long time. And I was like, oh, but I really believe in this purpose. But it's just yeah, there's lots of reasons why it was just feeling. I was more unhappy being there. And I've always, every job change that I've had, it was because something else came up and I went to something else. It wasn't like I was looking. Something else came up, cool, I left. Something else came up, I left. And this time, I just, I was, I really loved the purpose of the work. So I almost felt like if I find something else immediately, it was like cheating on the purpose. So I was like, I just want to leave my job and not work. And I was doing story of, you know, every day or all every hour and then I was studying full time and working full time and I was like actually I'm gonna just take a break and it was a big decision because I've never done that I like you know come from a family like I don't have any family wealth I'm the one who supports the family in lots of cases so I was really scared like how can I do this I can't do this you have you know you have to work and make money blah 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 and I'm like I can't you know my partner was um uh, he was earning well and he was like hey you know you actually don't spend much Alina and you have savings like and I can pay for our rent. You've been wanting to leave for a while. And I had five months off. So I left and I was finishing my uni. I mean, off as in I was studying full time. <laughs> so I was finishing my uh, postgraduate degree and another one in human rights. And I was doing story work. And that five months have been the most challenging. Didn't feel good in the time, but it was like good challenging stuff. Because suddenly I was unemployed. And I wasn't getting a check. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have a job title. Uh, I was a founder of Storyo, I guess, but like it wasn't, you know, again, I didn't consider that as like, it doesn't pay me. Mm. What does that mean? I'm studying and I was doing all the stuff that I love. Like I'm busy all the time. I've done more work in those five months than I've ever done before. I've been doing, I've like joined a few boards. I've been doing all this volunteering, blah, 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 studying Storyo. I'm loving it, but I'm unemployed. I don't get paid for anything. It was such a witch. It was so weird for me. I'm like, wow, I could do that. Like, I, just, I mean, not that I, I loved my job before as well, but this time, like, you know, I was, I could choose everything I'm doing all the time. It's, it's, I'm the, I'm the decider of what my values, purpose, my work looks like, my day looks like. At 10 a.m., I want to get a coffee with, I don't drink coffee. At 10 a.m., I want to get some tea with a friend. I can go get a tea with a friend. I felt super privileged to be able to do that. Yeah, that really challenged me. I'm like, fuck. There's another way to live. There's another way to live? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, also, mm. but it was so hard. I like, so much of my personal value declined. I just felt so much less of a unit of society because I wasn't getting a check and paying my tax, you know? Oh, so many things that came up, like, and people asking all the time, oh, so, so what's your plan for work? And I, oh, I honestly didn't have a plan. I'm like, I don't, I spend very little in life in general, and my partner paid my rent, so I'm like, I don't, I can live like that for a while. And story, I was getting some sponsorships, so like, a little bit of money, like, it was enough to cover some food or whatever. So I was like, this is great, yet I'm having all this, like, <sighs> like, uh. I'm not getting, I don't have a title, I'm getting paid, I'm not, I don't have this, like, a, you know, I suddenly I don't have this, like, a thing, like, I don't know whether it was perceived, or like made up by myself, but I just so many feelings came up around that. And I was thinking, 
wow, imagine a world where people would just be free to choose to whatever. Yeah. What that would look like. It doesn't have I to wonder. be 40 hours. Yeah, exactly. Designing their own thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think maybe hmm. my comment that I made there as well is like more, more related because I know a lot of friends who like maybe don't have a job currently or have a job, but like maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it was more judgmental around like not pursuing anything because I guess I was, I've always been doing 40 hour things outside, outside of work because I was like, I just, I liked them. I liked to do them, not that I had to do them. And yes, yeah, so maybe it was a bit of a judgment of like, hmm, how do you spend your life? Like, what do you spend your time on? What do you contribute to? And again, that changed a bit more with like, actually, if you just exist, you're you're good. <laughs> like, yeah, I but I totally understand that. I think I think maybe that was around when I was doing the podcast too. When when I wanted to leave um, my last job, I didn't know very many people who were like who loved their lives, mm-hmm. who were like actually thriving. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing. Yeah. Wow. That's you a big. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I can. Sometimes we're so in our bubbles of people, everyone's like, oh, grind, oh, Monday itis, blah, blah, blah. And there are some people who feel like, who are thriving mm. in other ways. Mm. And it's, oh, oh, it's such a tough place to be because the thriving part, and I'm really acutely aware of like my family's journey, my mom's journey, or like, People who are just have had so much struggle in life or maybe secondhand struggle like from their parents or like inherited whatever. That like saying like, oh, figure out your passion to thrive is like a fuck off. Like, oh, I, what, what does that mean? Like, I don't know what that means. I'm not capable of that. It's just not something. I think because I was looking around and most people that I know are in the 20s or 30s who haven't like some people have had some like maybe major problems or issues or whatever. But most people were like, you know, like most people live and haven't had that much struggle they have families, so many of them can use, you know, if something goes wrong, they have families to ask, you know, for help for or friends or whatever. And, like, living that, like, life that is, like, just, uh, you know, I'm just going to work. And right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fascinating, actually, with Storio now. And the last two and a half years, most of my friends that I met or interviewed with Storio, I don't think I know many people who are like that anymore. Like, I don't think I know many people. Like, mm. my my circle is completely people who, like, everyone who I work with, everyone who I do volunteering with, everyone I'm with, are like, they mm. love it, they want to be there. It's hard, but this is what I'm here for. So I feel like I'm a bit removed now from, like, I haven't had people around me. Or, me too. Yeah. I feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I don't, maybe it's it's probably another another bubble that <laughs> <laughs> <Yes, laughs> <anyway>. we created. <laughs> you raised a question to me about challenging the system and are we actually doing it or are we just winning within it? Yeah. What, yeah. What's the curiosity or tension here, do you think? I mean, I have a friend called Julia who is fucking awesome and is like a Pacifica woman who's early you know, twenties, thirties, like trying to fight for equity and stuff and take spaces. And we talk a lot about that about that with her. And just kind of yeah, sometimes I get like, I see so many things that could be done better. I empathize with people that are leading. I'm way more empathetic now. I used to be way more like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> and now I'm more like, okay, like, I can see. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah, they don't know. You know, like, way more empathy, I guess, for them. Like, not that I'll still not hold them accountable, but like, way more empathy. And looking at that, and I'm like, me, you know, being invited or doing some talks or doing whatever workshops or like, having a bit more like just a bit more maybe influence or social capital i don't know maybe like loud and at work i'm always like let's organize something and we talk about this topic or let's do something for pride and talk about actually what pride means not about like we'll put some rainbow on our logos but like (laughs) talk about the shit and barriers and challenges Mm -hmm. exist you know so doing that kind of stuff because i think i'm just like i'm just naturally loud and enthusiastic so and i think sometimes i'm like am i challenging or not just me but like are we challenging the system and changing it 
or are we just digestible for the system? System like we are, you know, digestible enough it's- to be in the system to actually make it look like we are doing well. Because now, you know, people like to have some, and I have so many friends who are like brown women who get it, who like get a spot to be somewhere because they're brown women, and they're like, oh well, fuck, I'll use a spot because good, I'll use it for the voice. I don't see anything wrong with that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then they also question like, oh, am I just Am I actually changing something then? Because, or am I just... Is it just perpetuating the same? Perpetuating, or like people clapping, like, yeah, yeah, diversity, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just, I question that a little bit. Of like, I'm, I'm hoping, but I'm being more actively thinking of like, if I'm ever in a space, I do not want to not offend someone. I feel like, or make people feel comfortable. Because I feel like then that leads to, oh, well, I'm in the space. Now I have to be a bit more... To be to get further in life or whatever, I have to make not people not not make them too uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh, that will just defeat the purpose because then what's the point of being in the system? Yeah. So I think yes, I I, I question it a little bit and sometimes a lot <laughs> of like if someone gets a voice, even a little bit of a voice, how do we then not turn into like digestible people who are and it's hard balance. You know, it is, yeah, it is. yeah, because it's tough to be in the spaces and tough to be tough. It's really hard to make other people uncomfortable because it's hard for because you also uncomfortable and then also you have also a job and stuff and you you know a lot of people are being really cognizant of like well, I can't be too vocal because I I also don't want to lose my job because I also have things to responsibilities. So yeah, it's just like yeah, this. it's sort of like they uh, the the people the people with the power yeah. have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Yes, it's gonna shit's gonna get uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, but if you're dealing with CEOs or people in power who don't have the maturity, mm-hmm. they're not gonna fucking get it. Mm-hmm. And, so, and it's gonna trigger egos. It's yeah. gonna be yeah, shit show. yeah. And it's hard, man. This work is hard. And and any system, any change is hard, right? Like for people, even though people might say, "Oh, life change." No, people don't, and people struggle with it. And I heard this really wonderful from some... Um, we were doing this course with indigenous elders from around mm. the world. And there was one elder um, in Maori from New Zealand. And she was saying how, like, through the years, the shame has been put on Maori for being Maori, for speaking the language, for blah, blah, blah. And the shame, shame is now shifting to white people. If you like, observing now, now white people feel uncomfortable about titriti, how do we say things? And she's like, that's where shame belongs. Like, it never belonged with Maori for mm. speaking the language, for being, mm. you know. So now it's in the right place. So how do now white people process it? Like, now it can be processed. Yes. And I thought it was so powerful. I'm like, oh, it's, if you think about any system change, any groups, any whatever, the, the shame, the whatever has to be processed where it belongs. So I think now it's like, you know, whether it's gender issues, whether it's ethnicity, uh, social uh, class, right? Like people feeling uncomfortable if I'm driving a fancy car and some people are homeless around me. Good. Like you, yeah. n- they shouldn't feel shame. You should feel shame. Yeah. But how do you now process it? How do we all process it now? And that kind of links into the next thing I was talking about with imposter syndrome. I mean, I think the whole the whole idea of Astoria from the beginning was to kick, like we, I think our tagline was like to kick imposter syndrome's butt. And a lot of people send me articles about imposter syndrome like, hey, it's actually not women's. I'm like, no, I've never thought it was a minority. Let's use woman here, but a minority, any, whatever, minority. It's never their problem. I think imposter syndrome, like, yes, it exists because we exist in a society where we need to, you know, fit in and be whatever, so then we feel less off, blah, blah, blah. But I never thought it's a woman's, let's say, or people of color, whatever, their job to process it. So I wanted to talk about it in regards to, like, hey, we all feel it. Oh, cool, we all feel the same. Yeah. We don't have to. But it's not something for us to go on courses and how to be, you know, for women, how to be more outspoken in the workplace. 
bullshit. Yeah. It's like everyone else should figure out what the hell were, are they creating <laughs> to not allow to create the barriers for people. Like, yeah, yeah imposter syndrome is an interesting topic because people have such different opinions around it. But yeah, I just feel like so many people feel it. I want to talk about it. I don't think it's anyone's like job to go and make yourself more confident so then you are in, in the room of people. It's they, they need to make you, yeah. they need to create good conditions. Yeah. I was questioned, uh, challenged probably a little bit of like, if you really want change, systemic change and stuff, it's not people, it's not other like people of color or marginalized folks or whatever else into the like you don't need to speak to them like preach, preach to the choir it's other and i agreed with that i'm like you're right actually and i was really question i'm like mm, maybe i need to really change like how do i address how does because story's main audience especially on social media is other women other genderless people other whatever and i was like oh maybe i need to change that but then you know i did so recently the 16 i did 16 workshops with company with organizations around like i we showed them the video one of the storytelling videos and i talked to them about like the worldviews that people hold we can put whatever practices and systems we want in place but what is your worldview when do you go home what kind of books do you read what kind of people do you talk to and they come at work and say diversity doesn't mean shit if you actually don't believe in it so i've been talking about that and i've had overwhelming amount of people who are from this company so i mean it's very it's Probably the first time I could reach out to so many white folks, so many men, so many, you know, like mainstream culture. But a lot of people who were in teams obviously are other people of color, women, gender diverse folks who reached out and said, thank you so much. This was so good. And I feel like, oh, first of all, I didn't recognize this, like the stories I've heard that you shared on Storia. I didn't actually recognize that in my own life. And I was like, oh my God, that's how I felt. And I can relate now. Or... Oh, you're speaking about these things, and look, the whole we the, the company asked you to come here. Like that's great. That means that I can speak more about it. So that made me think a bit more. I'm like, actually, maybe preaching to the choir is not that bad. Like maybe. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Like so maybe, like it's important. Like we, there has to be some sort of space. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. To process um, together. To like, and it was like I was like actually yeah yeah I do agree it needs to be both, but at the same time I'm like I think it's a bit harder with the whole like allyship allyship idea right is like or recently I listened to Action Station's course on how to be a good Pakeha <laughs> it was like how to be how to honor Titi without hassling your Maori mate oh, <laughs> like how okay. to, and there's a lot of it is like actually it's you going like if you feel a bit like oh this was a weird I feel a bit weird about the sexist comment it's you going to other dudes and be like hey did you that was weird was that weird? How do you how do you feel? Or like, hey, I think that was oh, I think I felt a bit racist with this person. Going to other folks and be like, hey, rather than hassling the people, you know. And so yeah, I feel like and unfortunately when it comes to gender space, right, I can't the power that my partner holds, being a male, with other men, is so much more than me. Like I can I can be on the stage and say, I raised one million dollars and saved one hundred kids, it won't matter. Mm. It's the a dude saying to another dude, Hey, I think that joke wasn't funny. Is like pff, so much more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of oh. like, yeah. So I'm kind of like, okay. Well, maybe we can exist in the space that like we can exist in. Maybe whether it's preaching to the choir or a little bit, hopefully, getting out to mm. more mainstream culture. But actually, it's on that mainstream culture then to propagate that change within within themselves, I guess, uh, over the other mates. And you can't. It's hard to control. It's hard to influence that. The the my favorite thing is like, it, there's work for everyone. Yes. And do your work. Do your work. <laughs> Everyone, do your work. Go and do your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What do you what do you think about the yeah, like how to influence system change or how to we're talking about organizations. Transformation efforts usually fail because they fail to get under the waterline into the actual culture and talking mm. power and people's own shit. Usually transformation efforts are all like, Oh, we'll we'll send some people on some inclusion courses 
or she, Linda, needs to go on a confidence course. But they usually fail because they don't get into the actual beliefs of an organisation. I love that. Cultural yeah. shit. We know that it takes it takes the people who have the most power mm. to be willing to go there, mm. not for it just to be carved out into the silo DNI um, thing. <laughs> for, <laughs> oh, DNA committee has yeah. been in my I've been yeah. on every DNA committee on every place I worked at. Yeah, which, I mean, which is great because you, uh, yeah. as as but it's such someone, a like a uh, someone like you want to feel like you're part of something in the community, but at the same time, um, yeah. if guys at the top are just don't give a fuck, yeah. then yeah, it's kind of difficult, yeah, for, cha- for yeah. actual yeah real change, yeah, to happen. And I've heard people say things like people who are in leadership say, "Oh, you know, real change is grassroots; it's bottom up." I'm like, "No, <laughs> what bullshit." <laughs> I mean, I've, it, and it was like a social change <laughs> um, type talk that someone gave like a CEO of a, a CEO of a company who's a white guy mm. I'm like that's not true that's not that's just it, you yeah. can't put it, and if it is it's like through a revolution or something like, yeah, you can't it, put all the <laughs> honours and labour on people it's the most know. like <laughs> unaccountable I mean that's not to say that grassroots movements can have an impact I mean sure within power structures like yeah again I feel like I mean, grassroots are great, and I love them and everything else. But yeah, the the it's yeah, as you said, it's it's a really like classic. Oh, I'm not accountable. It's uh someone else will do it's, that. It, uh, yeah, I'll hire. So usually, the, you know, you know, the guy, those guys will like they'll hire a team or they'll hire a person of color, whatever, yeah. to head their DNA thing. And yeah. It's like check, cool. We're like yeah. But you know, yeah. And you know, like, I heard this wonderful quote on Brene Brown's podcast. I uh-huh. listen to Brene Brown all the time. There was a person who was saying that, like, allow, listen, listen deeply. If you allow yourself to listen deeply enough to be changed by what you learn. And, uh, and it's kind of like for people who are in power to tell them, hey, it's the worldview that you hold that is kind of a barrier to a lot of this change. Once you hear that, you're like, what is that? What does that mean? No, my views are good. I'm, you know, like, people will be like, what do you mean? How do I change? My worldview is, is okay. And I have all that. It's like, well, okay. Listening, like, listening deeply to people's experiences, stories, even going to a workshop, like, listening deeply enough to say, I'm going to change something. Mm. And I feel like it's, like, such a question, like, I love asking questions of people, like, what, when was the last time you changed your mind? Mm. When was the last time you were proven wrong? Because you can talk about learning, blah, 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 like, when was the last time you were like, fuck, wow, I used to do this. If we have more of these moments, that means that we're growing, right? Mm. Because if we don't, if we actually go into life and thinking, oh my God, I'm so good and I'm doing all this work without being like, fuck, I fucked up or fuck, yeah. I did this thing or I said this thing. Are you actually changing anything? Are you actually learning anything? Are you, especially when you are in power, Yeah. if you haven't done that. And, you know, a good example of what you were saying before with DNA committees and stuff, like we were in one of my previous workplaces. is like a classic example of... of of power, the the CEO, we hired um, people to do like a um, TCTT, Maori, worldview, kind of like in-depth workshops. I thought they were actually great. They were like a long, like a, over a long term, in-depth, blah, 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 it's broken down by groups. So it, like it's not everyone sitting in one big listening. It's like 20 people, 10 people in each group. Mm. So you can talk afterwards about what you process things. I was in the group with the CEO. Oh. Who showed up to none of the things. Oh. <laughs> But that was such you a have to tell me after. Yeah. What, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, what, can yeah. you tell me after? Was, if anyone knows <laughs> me, they will know. Okay, who tell, me, tell me later. Well. Yeah, it was such a, but it was such a great example of like, he was the one standing in front of everyone saying that how important it is, mm-hmm. uh, putting money, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Look, we're committing. And I'm like, 
everyone in this workshop, I, like as soon as everyone came in, we knew because we looked, you know, everyone, and I, I was like, am I the only one? Everyone looks like, oh, who's in my who's, group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's yeah. the where's the and are they leadership? Up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sitting in the room and not seeing the CEO came in once. Oh, I think he came in once for like to say hi, good job, you you doing a good job, everyone. And I'm like. But he, oh, yeah. yeah, straight away. I'm oh, like, oh, yeah. it's all bullshit. Straight away. I'm like, you are not going to change. Yeah. And yeah. nothing's going to change here. And you're not here allowing to, you're not listening to those conversations. Yeah. We're having great conversations about power and ethnicity and indigeneity and, you know, and like, you're not here. Mm. So straight away, it's a signal to every employee is yes. that this doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just doing it to whatever, you know? So yeah. And it's like, it's not like it's a three day in depth workshop during the times when you're Kids are sick. Like, yeah, I, okay, I get that. But, like, this is a six weeks, two hours, you know, once a week thing. And you didn't show up to any of them. Like, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, this is... <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> get right okay. Okay. <laughs> like, it's, like, nearly one o'clock. And the, okay, okay, I mean, okay. I, we could yeah. talk for fucking hours, evidently. It'll be hard for you to edit. Oh, God. <laughs> Whenever I'm doing an interview and it's a long time, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, uh, there is no time pressure. I'll just try yeah. to edit it as I like. Um, you mentioned intergenerational relationships as a topic to talk about. Mm. What do you mean? Tell me more. Yeah, I think it was specifically around like my family, and I was thinking that bringing my mom to New Zealand was like the goal that I had. Like I lived and breathed that. Like it's something that this is the only thing I want to do in my life, and. My mom has to be happy. Mom has to be happy. Mom has to be happy. I want to make my mom happy because she's done so much for me my whole life here. Her childhood comparing to where I am, like, you know, in terms of opportunities, worldview, like, oh my God, like, you've done amazing work, mm. right? And yet when that happened and when we were close, there was so much, like, trauma, uh, storm, and, like, I was so dependent on my mom being happy that I was, like, I thought I could make her happy, you uh. know? And... I felt so alone in that. I felt so, I'm like looking around and everyone has families who have their houses that they have that live and they, you know, have whatever. Doesn't mean that they're like wealthy, but just like some level of stability, which my, my, my family didn't have. Seeing that they have like Christmas photos and, you know, holiday time has been always hard for me, like watching everyone going home for three weeks. I'm like, three weeks? You you can spend three weeks with your family in your house? Like, wow, that's incredible. And being like jealous of that and like, and I think more and more talking to a lot of friends and seeing actually that I'm not alone. So many people experience that. Like I felt ashamed of feeling like, oh, my mom hasn't so much for me. I love her so much. Yet we can't get along properly. Like we fight all the time. We like, there's all the stuff, whatever, whatever. I went to therapy for many years to talk about this, right? And I felt shame. I'm like, but how could I, like, I'm doing something wrong. I think I just realizing now, like, oh, well, we just, people don't talk often. And those nice Instagram photos from family holidays have so much behind them but it doesn't make it shameful so yeah so i just i guess that's something that's like i feel like we don't talk about open enough maybe because people also feel shame like i did because even now i'm like oh if i'm saying this am i like implying that i'm like don't love my family I'm like, no, not at all no it com- yeah. it's but it's complex right the relationships we have with our families mm. and what goes said and unsaid mm-hmm. i would say on my dad's side of the family much more there has been so and i don't know if it's culturally or what but there is so much stuff that is not verbalized, not yeah. spoken about. Yeah. And how much we inherit from, it's kind of fascinating to see how people just repeat the cycles of families. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even, you know, I, yeah. I I remember having so many, like, back home people, like, distant relatives from my dad's side or some or whatever, saying, like, oh, my dad is an alcoholic and I fucking hate it. I'll never drink in my life. And then 
literally like the same thing happens to their family and the same drinking problems happens in the same thing or like and drinking is like one example but oh my you know this my mom really couldn't handle their abusive relationship thing blah, 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 and she got stuck in this and we had to be phew, repeat like it's just such a repeat and i feel like man if we only Patience. like yeah if we only i don't know how to like talk or whatever or acknowledge it or you know my brother um and i did domestic violence um counseling together so i have a 10 year old brother and a 23 year old brother oh and we're quite a bit quite a different and we mom like, was that what what age gap is that 18 years, 17 oh, yeah. years. I've got yeah. a 16 year old. I had a 16 year old. Oh, yeah. Get with my little brother. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's such a, like, it's the almost same. like, because he could be my kid. Like, yes. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, which a lot of people sometimes think when I Yes, like, I got that a lot too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like we did my family. My mom's undergoing lots of like troubles with her ex partner. And we, me and my brother did domestic violence counseling. I was doing it some some sessions I did with him as like a as like um some it's mostly was as separately for me and separately for him, but some sessions were together. Just seeing like the stuff that he was talking about, being taught, like having space to process. I was like, this should not be just something that kids do because of, you know, like this should be everyone. This yeah. should be <laughs> everyone's it was, got it was, some yeah. everyone got some. And like and it was so you know, even if you have think everything's perfect, you will encounter something in life that will not be. Mm. It was just Amazing. Talking about what parents means, what family, what does mean, what does aggression means, like what is what is abuse, which we think, you know, the classic, like, oh, well, we never hit each other. That's, there's so much more to it. Mm. How do we, like, where we store feelings in our bodies mm. and how we feel about our families. Like, yeah, it was just a wonderful, awesome stuff. I'm like, man, I wish, I wish I had that when I was a kid. I wish we all, everyone had that as kids. Now, okay, we're going to change gears a bit. How has your relationship with your body and sex changed over time? <laughs> Back home, like, topic of sex was like, a, no, no one, no one, you know, no one has sex. And, and woman is just there to, like, have babies. And so sex is done to a woman and she just, like, there's no enjoyment in it. And they just have babies. And then, you know, like, it was just such a prohibited topic. Um, sexuality in general, like, whatever. Even though, obviously, what happens, what happens when it's repressed, right? It goes on the ground. People have babies too early because they have no idea how to protect themselves, how to um, use contraception. Contraceptives. Yeah. yeah. I was growing up thinking I'm so, so liberal with mom. And then I think like when I moved, it's really nice to like acknowledge that like, oh my God, I like moved so much further past the so much more progressive and more open, which is kind of, it's a good, good realization. Like, you know, there's some growth through generations mm-hmm. around this. But yeah, like my mom has always been really open about sex, bodies. Like I was never like a, don't talk about it. I've recently... In the last two two years ago, I did a, a coaching, actually, program with Michelle Casey around, I think it was called My Sexual Self. Oh. And it was about, like, reconnecting and with your sexuality, with your, like, sensuality, and how when we think sexuality, we think about, like, turned on sex, orgasm, when actually so much more to it. And every coaching call we've had, which is, like, a group, so it's a group of people, most of it was, like, some trauma from childhood or mm. how I feel about sex or how in long-term relationships or what is like motherhood means and not wanting to be a mother means like all those things are actually also related to sensuality, sexuality yet we're like, mm, sex is just this act thing that we do. So that was a big learning and like an awesome thing to be in open space talking about those things. That was the first time and I was like, just so, it was a space specifically to discuss those things. Uh, and it was super amazing. And I kind of feel like I've last year for me has been like a I kind of slid, slid slid back into 
not really thinking or like feeling through my emotions stuff much and maybe lockdown affected it like feeling very completely just not sexual like, just <laughs> yeah. like and it, it didn't it doesn't didn't feel like negative it didn't feel like i'm like numb and like oh i wish it was just more like oh it's just not something that i comes up but i think it's probably because of some numbing or something like lockdown or i don't know i don't know it's so, been yeah. a weird time yeah. yeah yeah so but that that course has been wonderful and i've been following way more people and because of that, a lot of my friends did that, the courses. Yeah, it and, sounds really good. Yeah, and yeah, now I like to talk about it way more openly with friends and stuff. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm such a, yeah, I love talking about it. I'm always like, mm, so, <laughs> let's talk about vaginas. <laughs> How do you feel? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I feel like it's definitely been a bigger topic. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, how spiritual would you say you are? I don't think I can define spirituality well. So then, I, I, And if I can, then I feel a bit like, oh, it might mean that I don't know much about it. I feel... That's kind of why I ask questions, because I'm like, I, I wonder how people, other people frame it. Yeah. I guess what I imagined, like, maybe before, is like, there's this religion thing. Yeah. And spirituality is, like, something that is separate, that is more, like, you know, I don't know, connected to some... I guess kind of religion, but a different of some form. But now I think I think about all of this spirituality is like connected to something bigger than yourself, some other powers or energy or whatever else. And I'm not definitely, I'm not religious, mm. but I, through doing work recently with my coach about life, meaning, blah, 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 and being more connected to like something bigger. Mm. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I am spiritual, maybe just, not, maybe not in a way that it's like, you know, I think about like candles and like... <laughs> What are they called? Crystals. And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. I've never done that. So I think, yeah, you know when you Google spirituality. I do like it. <laughs> yeah, see, but that's probably something that will come up if you Google spirituality. Something oh, will come up with like, okay. I don't, maybe maybe, for, maybe that's what I, maybe it's my stereotype. Like maybe I, I assume that that's what it is. Um, I think there is a stereotype around it, but yeah. yeah, but yeah. It sounds like there's something that you're like starting to explore. There. Yeah. Kind of like I feel, yeah, I probably wouldn't call myself spiritual, but I probably would, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about or like trying to figure out or work through. I kind of connected to that kind of like bigger peppers, big not peppers, bigger bigger something. Yeah. Or being definitely feeling like I guess the whole connection with other humans and how like this is. It's actually a good question because I'm like mm, I'm struggling to define it. I should try and figure out what it means to me because yeah I don't think. I think when I think like when you ask the question straight away, a person with like crystals and like <laughs> meditating and speaking to some Cell third eyes, and, you like, know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 and I'm like, oh, I'm not that. No, I'm not opposed to that. But I'm just I'm I'm not connected like that yeah those things are like things whereas spiritually can be mm. you don't need those things yeah it's totally like experience yeah experiential yeah mm. more feely sensey yeah it just so happens that i and i do but buy candles and incense and crystals it just so happens that those that's sort of what's sold mm-hmm. around that mm. Mm. maybe this was yeah marketed about yeah around that stuff yeah and i maybe haven't really explored as much of that myself like what it means to me um a coach like asked me that she's like what do you when you think of life like what do you what do you think what do you think all this is for do you have any idea like do you have any thought of like what is all of this why are we here what is the meaning and i'm kind of like huh. oh big question yeah yeah I'm like, oh I don't know. okay yeah are you spiritual i went through a phase where i sort of denied that part of me and i, th- I know which episode did i speak i think i spoke about this with, with mark i went through a phase where i like denied this part of me but when i was little i was a very like I would say a very spiritual little girl. But recently, I've just been rediscovering and redefining mm-hmm. spirituality for me, what that mm-hmm. means. How do I feel mm-hmm. connected with other people? How do I feel mm-hmm. connected with myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that feel like in my body? Mm-hmm. 
what happens when I get really still? Can I be more intentional with how I am in the day? Can I be present? What do I notice? That's so fascinating because that's something that, like, now that you say that, I'm like, oh, I guess all of that is spirituality, but that's not, like, I think about those things, but I don't associate them with, like, what, maybe, maybe I think because a lot of the things with spirituality and religion has been over-marketed, Lots of the, the the systems, the oh, yeah. controls, the, the, under the hierarchical powers. Yeah, all of that all, stuff yeah. has been kind of hija- hijacked. Yes, the the meaning, the sense, the whatever else of that. So, so maybe like you know, even like when my mom or someone says like something about God, it's not the connection that I immediately jump. Like, oh, it's the connection, it's the spirituality stuff, it's the it's the power system that I jump to. Yeah, that actually isn't really at the core of it. What it means, but I love your questions. I should, yeah, I. Yeah. I don't know the uh, look. I don't know the answers. I just yeah. Uh, okay, finish these sentences. Yes. This year, I'm grateful for my partner. Lots of things, lots of things, but he's like home to me. He is just the most supportive, wonderful person. Nice. For me, I hope 2022 looks like different. In um, what way? I feel like so much has happened in my life in 2021. Like so many changes. I've done, learned things. I've changed jobs, done projects, blah blah blah. But maybe because it was a bit tainted by the last four and a half months or five months being in the same walls mm. i have a little bit of this like desire or like this like a little bit of an inkling of like a oh, i want like something like really different and random i was thinking maybe like pick up a random i don't know go to like an acting school in the evenings i don't know something like random or traveling i've been missing i want a change of scenery yeah yeah that's a common vibe yeah <laughs> I'd I love- can imagine. <laughs> it's not a unique answer for sure. I'd love to be known for courage. I was thinking boldness. Like I think it's something that is a trait that I'm probably like the most proud of. Yeah, of like taking a leap, doing a thing, being courageous, saying the, saying the thing, challenging someone. And yeah, I think I would love to live up to that thing more and more and continue that in some way that is more like yeah, at least do something bigger. I yeah. love that. Thank you so much. So Thank nice you. So honored to like for you to invite me to be here and Thank you. I'm actually in, to... I'm actually curious to see which parts you're gonna I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, yeah, we'll have to continue this conversation but not yeah. record anymore because that's enough. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thanks for listening to this episode. DM me on Instagram if you have any questions or feedback. Stay tuned for the next one.